This is Brad Cardwell, and you are listening to the Live on Mission podcast presented by IGO Global. You're listening to the Live on Mission podcast, the official podcast of IGO Global. My name is Shu. I'm here with Kai and Brad, three philosophers sitting mm. in the truck down by the lake, just talking about life and talking about core values in real life. But you know what? Before we jump into it, Kai, you had a good idea. I think it would help people. Um, let's do something different. Let's, yeah. let's let's start it in a different way. Go Absolutely. Ahead. We like to say at I Go Global that we take the work and the mission very seriously, mm. but we do not take ourselves seriously. Nope. Not even a little bit. Nope. So... Um, we work with some pretty fun people around here. Some of them. One of those people is Brad Cardwell. So I'm going to put Brad on the spot. Put him on the hot seat. Brad, what's something interesting about yourself that most people listening to this podcast probably do not know? All 12 people listening to this podcast probably don't know something like this about you. Oh, let me see. That I can say on here? <laughs> I can edit all kinds of things, <laughs> as I do every time. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I like to fish. Do you, do, you, do you catch fish when you fish, or do you just like to fish? No, I catch sometimes. That's yeah. pretty good. What you do you taught, like, Lance taught me how a few years ago. What do you like to years. fish for? What's your favorite? If you're going to get to go fish for a specific type of fish, what would it be? Bass, mm-hmm. yeah. large bass, We're in big Texas. bass. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. all right. Even little a, bass. I'm not good at it. I just like to do it. It's fun. It's fun to do. I like to do things that are fun. Lance, what now, something? Let, let, let me let me turn to you now. Yes, turn to me now. What is one thing about Brad that, that most, most people, people probably don't know? That's our listeners probably don't know that when I first met Brad, he was really into team roping. I mean, most people mm. probably don't know that, but he mm. was big time. Forgot about that. Into team roping, he had he had like he had a horse named Tough. Mm. And sure did. Another horse named Chico Ranger. That's what I said, and uh, <laughs> you misheard me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was like he won he won saddles and belt buckles, and that's why like most people think Brad's so intimidating because of uh, he has that team roper look about him. Most I do. Of the time. Yeah. yeah, he's really not intimidating, but a lot of people think that. But yeah, intense. Did you know? Did you know Brad Cardwell used to be a team roper? Team roping, yeah. Yeah, I should have said that. Mm. Well, I said it, so you're good. Well, and I was gonna say it. Oh, I got but it. You stole it. Yeah, Kai, you got one now. I should have like just you, jumped in. You have yeah, another one, or was I, that? I was it? able to come up with one on the fly. Oh, very nice. Speaking of athletic accomplishments, mm. Brad was a college volleyball player. Mm. Mm. Sick him. <laughs> For the Baylor Bears. Sick them volleyball. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Just some things we thought you should know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Not, not necessarily you should know, but might be kind of fun to know. He he, he hates weeds, mm. and he can he can get them out of your yard. He'll kill them dead. Yep. Lone Star Turf Solutions is his side hustle. Shout out. And uh, if you're in the Hunt County, Rockwall County, Hopkins County area, and you got weeds, you need to holler at Brad. Give us a call. Mm-hmm. Yep. Most people listening to this podcast probably don't know that. They probably don't know that. Yeah. 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 Yep. 
They know now. They know now. All right. Well, I hope that I hope that helped everybody. That was fun. Yeah, it was. We like to have fun. Now we're we gonna go, Kai. Are we gonna do? No, 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 that was that it. Was, that was just you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, thanks. Uh, we're in a series right You're now, welcome. a four-part series. This is part three where we're talking about the core values in real life, and we're up to the ancient work. We have, we have four core values that we teach, and we've been teaching for quite a while at IGO. The bottom line, hope of the world, ancient work, enjoy the sower. And we're talking about ancient work in real life. Now, before we do that, let me make sure everybody's on the same page of what the ancient work is. The ancient work is this idea that we don't start anything, we don't finish anything, we're just joining in God's ancient work, that he's at work and has been at work since before the foundation of the world. And so we don't bring Jesus to China, or we don't, we don't go start a work for God anywhere. He's just inviting us into his work. And so when you when you live on mission, what you find is that God's at work everywhere. He's at work all over the place in, in different ways and different degrees for sure, but you won't find some dusty trail in a remote part of the world where God's not in some way already at work. We don't, we don't, he didn't ride with us on the plane uh, when we're on mission. And so that idea is, is really important when a lot of a, like a lot of Americans, especially, we kind of think God lives here. That the Christianity is an American thing, and we need to take the gospel and we need to take Jesus to the ends of the earth. But what we're really just doing is joining in His work, and He's at work everywhere. So when we, it gives you a lot of confidence, right? You go on a mission trip somewhere, you know, hey, God's at work there. We're we're going to get to join in on His work, and then it also gives you this reminder that all of life is mission. So when you get off a mission trip, you're still on mission because God's at work all all around you all the time. So that's the that's the teaching. We don't start it, we don't finish it. God's just inviting us in to join Him on His ancient work around us, and He's always doing an ancient work in us to prepare us for what he has for us. And so how does that play out in real life? Not just on a mission trip, not just when you go to New York City and engage the nations there, but like in, in a normal day on a, on a school campus, on a college campus, and in your community, how does this ancient work, how can that show up in real life? What, what, what are the thoughts that you guys have about that? I think uh, when I've talked to students about this, I think they have a hard time believing that God is at work on their campus because they either can't see it um, or they're so wrapped up in self-preservation as a Christian on their campus that they have a hard time believing that if I move towards someone who's hurting or if I hmm. uh, go out of my way for anyone else, it's probably not going to work out. They probably don't really need my help. They probably don't really need a friend. I'm going to look dumb. And so I think they have a hard time believing that. But when they step out mm -hmm. and believe that God is at work all around them, then that pushes them to step out and try to be nice to the person who it looks like no one's being nice to, to, to say hi to somebody who no one really talks to or to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. Hmm. That's kind of the first step into engaging the ancient work because then you're going you're gonna to see when you start to move in those ways towards people, you're going to start to see hey, God is at work, because somebody's going to say, thank you for talking to me. Thank you for sitting with me. Thank you for being kind to me when no one else was. Then you're going to see, and that, then it's going to kind of reveal itself that God is at work in someone's heart, and all it took was for you, 
to take a step of faith towards them. No and I think step. you see it. But it's hard. I think they have a hard time believing that God may really be at work on this campus because it doesn't look like God's here at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it looks like a bunch of depravity. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so yeah. surely God's He's checked out of this thing. Right. I mean, how many stories have we heard? We're like, oh, I felt like God wanted me to say something. I felt mm-hmm. like He wanted me to do something. I was so unsure, and then I did. Yep. And it was so clear after that that God was definitely at work in that situation. He had prepared that conversation mm-hmm. uh, for who knows how long. Mm-hmm. And the divine appointment, like it, it just happened because I was, I was just willing to be faithful. And I also think prayer walking reveals a lot of this. I think it's so awkward when we first encounter prayer walking and when we're teaching it to students in there. I don't know, what are we doing here? We're walking around praying out loud. That's weird. That's awkward. But when when students do that and when I've done it and when we do it, it reveals, mm-hmm. uh, it kind of takes that the blinders off uh, in some ways that uh, I'm sitting here praying and God is burdening me for things for this campus or this town or this business. And when I get that burden, then all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, maybe God's at work because I am burdened now because I prayed out loud for this place as I was on, on, on campus, you know. Yeah, I'm walking around looking at things, and it kind of forces you, like you said, it takes, takes the blinders off, but it also kind of shows you how God may see this. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to see this through God's right. eyes, where what, what He wants to accomplish there. You know, most of our prayer life, we spend so much of our time just praying for us and what we need or what, what's right in front of us, and then you go on this prayer walk and you start looking at things from a very different perspective. If you haven't ever prayed around your campus, you know, grab a group of people from your youth group and say, hey, we're just going to go walk mm-hmm. around our campus on Sunday evening and pray yeah. and see what God does with that. See right. how he starts to show you these glimpses of where he might be at work, right. which is really the question that I think a lot of people, if you say, okay, there's this ancient work going on, one way to say, how do we know where God's at work? And you go, well, he's, he's everywhere. <laughs> Duh. Like he's, he's at work everywhere. But there's different levels of how you can see his work. And so I think the question that we, we should spend some time trying to answer is, how do you know? How do you know where God is at work? If you're living your life, you're on campus, you're going to school, you're in a community, you're going to shopping, whatever. Like, how do you know? How can you figure out where God is at work? Yeah, it's kind of a funny way to word the question based on what we were just saying. Because mm-hmm. we, like you said... Yeah, we know God is at work everywhere. Um, I think what's really being asked there, right, is like, how do we know when and how and where to join God? Like, when and where and how He really wants to use us in a obvious, visible way. We can't do everything. We can't invest in everyone. Right. So, when and where and how. Right. Yeah, and I, I would just kind of echo what Brad said to answer that question is if you are prayer walking and if you're cognizant of the people and the things around you through a bottom line lens that God is working all things to his glory, you're free to stick your toe in any of those waters, you know, mm-hmm. um, whether it is, I, I love the, that just saying hi to someone or man, that guy looks like he probably is having a rough day. I wonder if anyone's asked him, how he's doing or just checked on him, even if I don't know the guy. I think when we step out like that, sometimes we find that God just like blows a door open, right? That the Mm -hmm. person just will, you know, become really clear that like God is opening a door for a gospel conversation. Um, 
that's not to say that's going to happen every time, mm-hmm. you know, but it seems like there's no harm in, in stepping out and trying, right? I, I think about how else are you going to know? Right. How, how else are you, are we going to be able to know where he's at work if we're not stepping out like that? Yeah, for sure. I think about the trying to find what chapter it's in. Um, it's in the Bible. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if we're talking about like Harry Potter or something. Yeah, uh, the book of Acts, uh, let's see, around 18. Um, the um, the call that Paul receives, the Macedonian call. Someone, I guess, can find that maybe. Maybe, maybe 15, 16. Uh, 15, seven, yeah. Se- early 17, something. Somewhere around in there. So the story is Paul is gets this call specifically to go to Macedonia, but what we often overlook, and it's, you know, most of us are familiar with the call. It's like he gets this vision of a Macedonian man saying, please, someone come help us. It's like very clear God is calling you to go do this thing. Up until then, it talks about these three other cities, regions that Paul went to trying to share the gospel, trying to, you know, see about starting a church. And I think the language is something like the Holy Spirit prevented us. Mm-hmm. We don't know what that means, you know. Was it just like someone gave them the cold shoulder? Was every person they tried to talk to was just disinterested? Now, I don't think Paul would conclude, oh, well, I guess God's not working here. It's not that he's not working it's just that the time for Paul to engage was not then and there, right? The time for someone to come and engage with the gospel, at least for Paul and his crew, was not right then. And so God had something else in mind for them. So I think part of finding God's ancient work, where God wants to use you in his ancient work, is just knowing he's working everywhere and kind of testing those waters, you know, just kind of sticking your toe in and going, I'm just going to ask a few questions and if it leads to something great, if it doesn't, man, that's okay too. I'll mm-hmm. I'll try somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, a lot of our students. If you're a student and I goes and listening to this, you probably overseas heard the concept of person of peace, finding a person of peace. We're trying to find a person of peace because it's that person where it's pretty obvious that God's doing a work there, and that person also can maybe open up doors to other relationships where He's at work, and. What you said, Brad, like reminds me of that. Like we don't just go look for a person of peace. We start by praying that God would lead us to a person of peace. And so if you're walking in that campus or you're walking in that store or you're walking down your street and you're thinking that way and you're praying those prayers, God will probably lead you in the right direction. It may be he says, Hey, go sit at that lunch table because nobody ever sits with those kids. Yeah. Um Go, go, go have a conversation with the kid that's sitting next to you that's breathing hard and he's snoring and mucus is landing on your t- desk and you're like, I wish he would get <laughs> away. Yeah, smells he, like Axe Body Spray. Smoked, yeah, too much Axe Body Spray. And maybe you need to be kind to him. Like, I, I that don't was know. really specific. It was very specific. <laughs> I, I have a good you know, eye for just coming up with random specific things. <laughs> so um, like, it's just pray. And then watch how God will point you in the right direction to find the specific places that He's at work. Um, the The other side of that for me is, we said it a while ago, you can't do everything and you can't invest in everyone or in every cause or every everything. So how do you know where God's at work? And I think one of the ways that you approach that is go, what is on God's heart? What What is a in line with his character and his purpose. And you start thinking about, you know, the causes in our world of, of mm-hmm. justice and things that we know that God wants to make right or the, the you know, 
adoption and orphan care and, and foster care and things like that. We know that that's on God's heart. Or stopping uh, human trafficking. We know that's something that God wants to see uh, an end to. We, feeding the homeless, feeding the poor, like all those kinds of things are saying, hey, here's places that you know God's at work. You know God is wanting uh, mm-hmm. these things to be done. He's going to use people to do it. So anytime you see an opportunity like that, and you have a passion for that, and red light, red light, stop waiting around for a clear <laughs> sign and get involved in that. Thing. That's right. Yeah, it's a, it's right. a very clear red light to stop waiting and jump in. And you're not going to do everything. You're not going to be involved in every single ministry that God's at work at. But if you've got a passion, hey, I really, really care about this. I man, I I cannot get away from this passion about this specific ministry. And it's something that I know is on God's heart and lines up with what the Bible says is God's all about. And jump in and you'll find he's definitely at work there. The, the other part of that, you know, is this idea that we can join in God's work in normal ways in our normal life. And we've already kind of talked about that. But I, I want to circle back and make sure you, you get it. We're not talking about just sharing a gospel conversation with someone. We're talking about being light being salt uh, in a dark world, a dark school campus full mm-hmm. of depravity or whatever, like what, what does it look like for you to be light there? What does mm-hmm. it look like for you to just join God at work, bringing light into darkness in really simple, practical ways, like Brad said, saying hi to somebody, being a friend to somebody who no one else is a friend of, go sit at that lunch table, uh, talk to the person at, in the locker room. That, that, just how do you... How do you be hospitable and kind in a world that's really lacking in kindness and yeah. hospitality? And that's where it starts. But that next step, you know, um, we see it in the story with Philip and the eunuch. Philip knew the Bible. He was able to explain mm-hmm. it. He, he knew scriptures. And so when, when you're encountering these people, behind your kindness, behind your hospitality, uh, behind being nice to someone and going out of your way, behind that is you know the scriptures, you know the gospel, mm-hmm. you know what you know what Jesus has talked about, you know what you know Jesus was important to him, you know some of the things you can kind of quote Jesus, you know if you can quote Jesus, you're doing pretty good. If, and I wonder if uh, a lot of students, I think, and and even us, we feel like I don't want to go there because I might get it wrong or I might not remember that verse or I might not remember but if you're in the word that's going to roll off your tongue another uh, you know that's just more encouragement for us to know what the scriptures are to be in them daily and to understand scriptures so that that's on our mind and it's on our tip of our tongue so that when we are having a conversation with somebody we can interject the light the word um, and, and inject truth into a situation when someone is hurting yeah it says always be prepared mm-hmm to give an answer for the reason for the hope. So let's go live as if we have hope and let's go bring light. But then here's what should happen. Yep. Somebody should ask, hey, what's different about you? Mm. What, 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 why'd you approach that that way? How did, how did you get through that or whatever it is? They should be asking us about the hope and then we should have an answer. Yep. So yeah, if you're, not, if you're not in youth group on Wednesdays and church on Sundays and you're not with God's people and you're not in his word and you're not learning it, you're not going to really be able to join his work because you're not going to have answers. Right. And you right. Need to be, we, we, you don't have to force that conversation. Go be light yes. and then wait for people to ask you. Yep. 
and then be ready to give an answer. Yep. Hmm. And so much of that just comes back to prayer, which is one of the things that we've been teaching and our missionaries teach that prayer is the work. It's not just a part of the work. It's not just preparation for the work. It's if you want to be engaged in God's work, his ancient work, then you're going to be in prayer. Mm -hmm. And if you're an Igosian, you've been overseas and you've uh, engaged in God's work in a place like Japan or a place like North Africa, the Middle, Middle East, wherever you've been, Honduras this summer, New York, are you still praying? Are you still engaging that work through prayer because you know that God is answering those prayers and he's are you praying for those missionaries that you got to serve alongside? Are you praying for the people that you met? Because that's how you stay engaged in what God is doing all over the world, even when you're just going about your normal life and you're not on a mission trip. And prayer is the work. Prayers, God tells us, hey, that's, there's a big mission field out there. What you, should you do? Pray. Hmm. Pray and uh, yeah, we should go and be involved, but it starts with prayer because that is that's the work. Mm. There really is something to the idea of God being for the the downtrodden mm-hmm. and the brokenhearted, and you know I, I think it's we can overemphasize that it's possible to fall sure. into that ditch, right? Sure. Of, of then forgetting that yeah, God went after Zacchaeus too, right? And Matthew, like guys who were well off that. Jesus didn't neglect those who weren't downtrodden, right? Right. Um, well, I guess you could say with those two guys, they had some things going against them too on a, on a social level. Yeah. But but he went after those fishermen, and they had it all. I mean, fishermen. That's what they did for their life. <laughs> what, could, what could be better? What could be better than right. being a fisherman? Or, uh, Just fish. Or Cornelius, right? Maybe yeah. he's a better example, right? Yeah. Of this Roman centurion, powerful, probably wealthy dude. Um, so, yeah, we can't overemphasize that. But there, there is something that, yeah, I think when Jesus was on earth, he seemed to spend a lot of time targeting people who have lost hope or that thought this this God of Israel was not for them because they had screwed up too many times or done too many bad things. And so I think that's a good lens to start with if you're looking for how to, where is God working around me, is to put that lens on of who are the people who have discounted God, right? Who have said, I've gone too far off or God can't care about me because no one else does, right? Who are those that, I mean, I think about, um, oh gosh, I have a confession to make. I, I was waiting. I, I, I can't. I can't remember. This was starting to sound like a go. confession I can't already. Re- I can't remember the uh, the name, but we read it just a couple of day- mornings ago. Um, the the priest who, um, so so Samuel, Samuel's parents, Hannah, Hannah, mm-hmm. Hannah was barren, right, mm-hmm. for a long time, yep. and then when she became pregnant with Samuel. She just burst out into this song about how God is near to the brokenhearted, right? He, he, he takes those who look like they've been rejected and despised and lifts them up, right? We, we see that again and again in Scripture. So I think there's this, there's this implication that when we look at someone who our flesh and our mind immediately thinks despair, forgotten, re- rejected, you know, that person has rejected God, they've... They don't want anything to do with him. God loves to take those people and lift them up, right? So even just looking for those types of people where it looks like there's a need or it looks like there's re- rejection and despondence there. Mm-hmm. People just have seems lost like, hope. 
yeah, that seems like a great place to start, yeah. right? And um, I mean, your school campus has always been filled with students that have lost hope, but in the last two years, mm. that's gone crazy, y'all. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are so many people around you every day that have lost hope, and they need they need a just a voice of hope. They need a they need some light, um, for sure. And and that's a great example with Hannah. And it's also a reminder that if you go to a Baptist campus in the state of Texas, every girl there, her name is Hannah. Um, probably for that reason. But just just go. I was with Jake Stacks at DBU in the coffee shop, and he said, "Oh yeah, every girl out here is Hannah." And there's a girl walking in the door, and he goes, "Hey Hannah," and she turned around, and she goes. Yes, were you talking to me? He goes, well, I don't know you. I just was telling him that everybody's name is Hannah. And it was. Her name was Hannah. You just kind of proved the point. Yeah. And she said something like, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hannah. Yeah, it's a good name for sure. So ancient work, core values, and real life. Uh, I hope that you are finding ways to join in God's work in small, big, all the ways, all the time in your normal life. And if you are, man, tell us. Send us a message, comment. We'd love to hear about it. We'd love to tell your stories. Maybe in one of these podcasts. You never know. Thanks, Kai. I was worried you weren't going to have a confession, but you were able to work one in. So, all right. We'll Sorry, Hannah. Sorry, Hannah. Next week, next episode, Joy the Sower. Stay tuned.